0: Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit lexcity.church. Well, welcome again to week number two. And as I thought about what stories to share with you, I decided I probably should use some of the stories that God says are epic stories. We find a list of these stories in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 through 13. And if you get a chance this week to look through some of those, you're going to see a common denominator that runs through all of these stories is, is faith. Faith is what changes. Faith is really what takes an ordinary story and turns it into an epic story. Because faith is that thing, and if you look through all these stories, and the ones we're gonna share again today, it comes down to this moment of decision, right? You heard it in the Peters as they shared their testimony. There was this moment. Are we gonna go? Are we gonna stay? Are we gonna linger in our pain? Are we gonna do the hard work to work through it and see what God has next? It was those moments of decisions. And in that moment of decision, whatever you decide, it makes a difference between your story simply being a footnote in human history or your story being epic. Well, we're gonna see today that kind of moment of decision, that faith is the key. And so today we're gonna look at the OG of faith, the man God says, man, this is, if you wanna know what it means to walk in faith, this is what it is. So if you've got your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. If you've got your phones and you're new here, go to lexcity.info. All the sermon notes are there, all the events that are happening in our church, ways that you can sign up, it's all right there at lexcity.info. So as you're firing up your phones, let me remind you what God said about this man Named Abraham, who we're going to see this morning. New Testament, the book of Galatians, chapter 3, says this Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Verse 9, so then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now listen, when God calls you a man of faith, right, you know your faith is legit. And the great thing about Abraham is the Bible says that we are sons and daughters of Abraham. And I know this to be true because I know the song. You may know it too. Father Abraham had many sons, many, don't leave me hanging here. Many sons had father. Yeah, however, we turn like the hokey pokey into a, in an Abraham song, I don't know. Right foot, you remember those days, right? So it's this great news, right? This father of Abraham, his faith relates to us. And so Hebrews chapter 11, verse eight says this. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place, that he was to receive an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, and as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city that has a foundation, whose designer and builder is God." Hebrews 11 says, let me tell you the story about this epic thing. Now, that story we find in its completeness in, in the book of Genesis. Very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 12. And that's where we're going to live a little bit today. Story of Abraham's Genesis chapter 12 through 25 again this week. If you get a chance, great time to read through that. You'll get more context. So as we start in the Genesis chapter 12, if you have the NIV version, the first verse starts this way. The Lord had said to Abram." In other words, before we start in Genesis 12... God has said something to Abraham in advance. He's given us some instructions that are gonna lay the context for that. And we see the instructions that God's gonna say to Abraham before we look this morning in advance. In the book of Acts, chapter seven, verse two, it says this. And Stephen said, brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. So he says, listen, Abraham used to live there. God spoke to him and said you needed to move to Haran. Now, Mesopotamia, it's an amazing little city. It was one of the earliest regions that was inhabited after the flood. Mankind had begun to to rally and gather there, so it was the center of all cultural things. A man like Abraham, who had extreme wealth, we'll see her in a moment, had access to everything. Life was easy where he was, but God says, I have something for you. So God speaks to Abraham, or in Genesis, his name is Abram at this time. He says, I want you to leave, and think about this. I want you to leave, all you know, your home of 65 years, and I want you to go to a land of Haran. So, Abraham does what God says, moves to Haran, and then for 10 years, God says nothing. For 10 years, God is silent. No new instruction, no new insight, just move. And I mentioned that to you because some of you this morning, listen, if you think about your faith journey and your faith story, God has spoken something to your heart maybe years ago, it was a call to ministry. It it was a call to to do something uh, significant and and make some changes. It was this call to, you had these habits and these hurts and these hang ups that just have been weighing you down and, and, and enslaving you and God laid it on your heart like today's the day you need to lay those things down and so you had that moment where you felt those things. God spoke to you, it was as clear as could be, right? It was that moment through a time in his word, it was maybe through a preacher, it was maybe through your time in prayer where you knew God had spoken something in your heart. This is what I'm to do, this is what God's calling me to do. But then after that moment, you ever felt that? Like God went silent. I had this mountaintop moment where I sensed him and now I haven't heard anything in weeks, and months, or maybe even years. Felt that moment? Can I just say to you, lovingly, as your pastor today, listen, friends, many of you are waiting for a fresh word from God when you haven't been obedient to the original word from God. <laughs> See, don't expect new revelation until you've been obedient to the original revelation that God laid into your life. Because blessing is built on obedience, not the other way around. So many times, I like, got, I need to hear, and guess I spoke. What are you gonna do with what I told you? For many of us, we, we know that. We know the thing that God has laid on our hearts. So that's why, maybe, I wonder, why was God silent with Abraham for 10 years while he was there in Haran? Lots of speculation. Bible gives us a little insight into maybe one of the reasons. Something that happened during the 10 years while Abraham was there in Haran was that his father passes away. And if it's no small thing, if, especially if, if, if your father dies, and in Abraham's context, his father was the patriarch of the whole family. When his father dies, that is a void. I don't know about you. When I have a difficult time in decisions, I, I go to my patriarch a lot. I call my father pretty regularly. He's a wise man. He's a prayerful man. He's had lots of life of experience. And so when I'm struggling and don't know, he's one of the first places I call. Say, Dad, what do you think? It's an interesting thing, when the patriarch passes away and you move into that position, there's nowhere to look but up. I think there's a little sense in Abraham's and God's relationship, God says, listen, there's no other person but me. I want you to trust me in these moments. It's your turn to fill that that void. Well, Abraham's father dies during his 10 years, and now all of a sudden, at age 75, God speaks to Abraham. Go back to Genesis chapter one. Here, we pick up our story today. Now, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse four, so Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed for Haran. And Abraham took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that had acquired in Haran, and they set out to the land of Canaan when they came to the land of Canaan. So 75 years, God says move. Abraham packs up all of his things and begins that move. Now listen, can I just remind you, this is no small little deal. This is not Abraham saying, hey, like the Griswolds, let's hop in the little station wagon, put the U-Haul behind. We're going, kids. It's going to be a great adventure. That's not the context that that's happening here. I mean, Abraham is like a really, in Middle Eastern context, he'd be like a modern day sheik now. Chapter 14, a little bit later, tells us that Abraham had his own standing army of 318 men with all of their families and all the support. Many think this is probably a moving caravan of about 3,000 people. Right, this is no small deal, and I just want to give you that little picture of all that's on Abram's plate. He's a big deal. This idea of moving was, was pretty significant. So as we think about this, I'm going to give you five, maybe five lessons today that we can learn. I think as we think about our epic stories, learn from Abram. Number one is simply this: we must go if we want to experience God's blessing. You've got to go to do that. Go back to uh, verse one. Now the Lord said to Abram, "Go from your country." and your kindred, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Epic stories, epic events, you've seen it and experienced it in your life. They only happen when we step out of our comfort zone, right? When we move out of our complacency, when we we get out of that consumer mindset, when we step out of our sin, these are the things that happen. It takes movement, going, leaving, to break the complacency of our lives. That mindset, those habits, right, that stagnate us. And keep us blogged down. Now, it's really interesting. If you look at that Genesis chapter 12, look at the order in which God says for Abraham to leave. He says, leave country, kindred, and father's house. Now, if you think about that, that's opposite of the order of actually what moving should be like, right? When you move, when you leave on a trip, what do you leave first? You leave your family, right? You leave your house. You leave your neighborhood. Then you leave your friends. Then you leave your city. And then you leave your country, And so it's exactly opposite of what logistically, logically, would be what we're supposed to move. And that tells us there's something to it, right? So in rabbinical thinking, when you put an order and you put it in opposite order, it catches your attention to remind us this, that God is not speaking about a physical movement, that God is talking about a spiritual journey. He's telling Abraham, listen, I'm not telling you how to pack, I'm telling you how to unpack and let go things that you've gotta let go in order for you to experience the blessings of me on your life. So this is the heart of the issue as we're gonna look here at Genesis chapter 12, right? It's it's a heart issue. It's not a physical. This is not logistics on moving. This is moving in your heart. God says to Abraham today, listen, I I need you to move. I I need you to leave behind some behaviors. I, I need you to leave behind some habits, some mindsets. I need you to leave behind some toxic relationships. I need you to leave behind some bitterness, some unforgiveness. I need you to leave behind the things that are enslaving you because I have something greater. So he lists the order. Here's the number, the two thing, lesson that we learn. Half obedience risks delay of God's blessing on your story. Go back to verse one. Go from your, here it is, your country, Here's is what God tells them to do, your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will share and show you. What does he say very clearly? He says, Abraham, I need you to leave. I need you to leave family. I need you to leave kindred. I need you to leave everything you know and to go to the place that I show you. We saw a little bit earlier, who does Abraham bring with him into Haran? Brings his father. Possibly. This is why he has to wait 10 years for his father to pass before he could move. Now if you know the story of Abraham, you also know he brought somebody else along too, right? He brought a nephew named Lot. If you know the story of Lot, you know that this is a toxic relationship that has caused pain in Abraham's life through the entire story and his entire life. And it reminds us this, when we rationalize and justify what we want rather than what God tells us to do, we're risking delaying and at times, missing out on the blessings of God. So much pain in Abraham's life, so, so much struggle, for us, same thing, comes from complete or partial obedience to God, does it not? If Abraham had just been fully obedient to what God said, leave all these things, he would have spared himself from a lot of pain and a lot of struggle, and for you and I, isn't it the same? If we're really honest, some of the struggle in our life is just our own lack of complete obedience to what God has. So why was God silent for 10 years in Haran? Again, it it may be that very thing to just remind Abraham of the importance of obedience. All the stuff that came with Abraham after that, 10 years there, the pain of Lot, can I just remind you, that was never God's design for his epic story. For some of you, the pain you're facing today, can I just remind you, that was not God's design for your story. Some of that stuff is by our own hand, right? Our own obedience, our lack of disobedience, in different areas. So Abraham's partial disobedience cost him 10 years in delay and heartache and all these things with, with love. Then we go on to the third great lesson we learned. Number three is this. Epic stories are written even when we have questions. I love this about our story. You don't even have to know the ending. You may have questions. In the midst of those questions, our story is still written. Look at the last part of verse one. It's such a powerful verse. To the land that I will show you. Abraham still has no idea where he's going. God says, "I'll show you a little bit on the on the way." He's leading this massive. Think about this: this massive amount of people to a place he has no idea. The number of people saying, "I'm taking you to Promised Land," whereas I have no idea. Now, leaders, parents, can you imagine the challenge of leading this with confidence when you have no answers where you're going? From the back of the camel, it's going all day. Are we there yet? Are we there? You're like, really? I no. <laughs> We're, I have no idea. Can you imagine over and over? He says, I have no idea. When God tells me, I'll let you know. But will you just trust? I mean, that's faith. 3,000 people. Are we there? Where are we going? I don't know. Trust God in that moment. Here's the amazing thing about faith faith is okay with ambiguity. You realize that? doesn't have to. That's why for some of you, I love you to death, some of my uh, red colors and blue colors. Listen, if you like to control everything, let's just be honest, faith is really hard. You wanna know the answers of why. You wanna know where. You wanna know how this is gonna. I need to know every step, right? I've gotta know the outcome. I just, yeah, then I'll let it go if I know all of these things. And I just wanna remind you, this will be one of the struggles in your wonderful faith journey. If you wanna control, walking by faith is hard. And so this is where God's gonna grow. You and God is growing so many of you over the years in this area, but you know that tendency. I wanna control it. And God says, just trust where do we go. So Abraham, by faith, I love this, takes this step of courage and he leaves twice. Leaves the original country, then he leaves Haram without having any idea where he's heading. And uh, Hebrews 11 tells us again by this, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that was to receive an inheritance and he went out, again, not knowing where he was going. Two times, God tells Abraham to move without giving him that destination. And Abraham moves. He doesn't, here's the key, he doesn't hesitate. He doesn't negotiate. He doesn't try to rationalize. He just says, Sarah, God spoke. Back up. It's time to go. In obedience, they go. Brings us to the lesson four. The longer you wait to act on the voice of God in your life, the less likely you are to go. The longer you wait. You know, every Sunday, and we'll do it again this Sunday, a little extra time this morning, we, we've got a prayer team that comes down front, and that we leave opportunity at the end of the story, or at the end of our service, just to say, listen, if there's anything God's laying on your heart, do you wanna pray with somebody or just be encouraged or you may just be a hug? I mean, this team is down there for you. And we do that because of this. I know the natural tendency is, oh, God's just sharing something. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of this. I'll pray a little bit later. I'll get on this later this week, right? And we rationalize the way that moment, that God's speaking to you to move or to do something And then all of a sudden we forget about it that week and this week turns into the next month and next month turns into years and all of a sudden God's laying things in our heart and we're never responding on those things. And so I'm just reminded again, when we wait or delay, we're less likely to act on the things that God wants us to do. And I love that about Abraham. God says move. There's 3,000 people. There's a million reasons why not to move. The logistics are a nightmare. The hassle, the headache, Lord, am I going to move again and have everybody? Where are we there? Yeah, we there. I don't want to deal with that, right? An obedience. God impressed it on his heart. He says, We're going. And off we go. It's in complacency and stagnation. If we're not careful, we miss the blessing of God. Some of you, God has something for you. God has had something for you. But you've just stayed in your comfort you haven't responded when God laid it on your heart and God said, man, I just want to give you freedom in that area, and we're missing it. Brings us lesson five. If God is the one telling you to go, it doesn't matter where you're going. That's what I love about Abraham. It doesn't matter. I hear, I know the voice of God, what he's saying to my heart, we're going. It doesn't matter where it is. God's desire, and this is what he trusts the heart of God, and this is true for you. God's desire for you in your life is that you find peace and joy and wholeness and fulfillment, even if you don't think the destination that he's taking, to, taking you to is the place, that you would find that. 20 of my 32 years of ministry have been in my hometown of Omaha, Nebraska. All of my family is there. Uh, my whole history is there. I have all wardrobe that's all red, full of Cornhusker stuff. I mean, it seems like the perfect set. Everything should be great here. When I think about Kentucky, Kentucky, honestly, might have been on my list of places I do not want to go. I don't know anybody there. I've never been to this part of the country, and all of those things are there. I had no real desire. And yet, today, I find myself in a country I didn't know, farther from my family and my past than I've ever been in my life. But the amazing thing is this it has become home. And in the chapters in the book of my life, this will be one of the greatest and most enjoyable and greatest blessings of ministry I've ever experienced. I love this church, and I love who you are, and I love what God's doing in us and through us. God's doing things I never would've dreamed and, and ever would've imagined. And it comes to that point of just realizing, you know, in all of that, God, you knew what I didn't know, right? And the greatest joy of my life and the greatest blessing that God's given me, the desires of my heart being here with you in ways I never dreamed. I'm getting to do ministry, with my boys and their wives, which is a gift I never ever thought, never dreamed of. God had something greater that I didn't even know existed, but if I wasn't careful, if you would've asked me 30 years ago, do you wanna go to Kentucky, I would've had a 100 reasons why that was a terrible idea, and God didn't fully understand how this would work out a little bit better. But here's what you know to be true in your life, and I know to be true in my life, is God's plans are better than your plans for yourself. And when you surrender to God, you're simply saying this, God, I don't trust myself as much as I trust you because you've got the bigger picture. God, you've got my greater interest. It's not about what I want in these moments. It's about what you want for me because, listen, when you are led to where God wants you to be, a blessing awaits you on the other side of that obedience. This was Abraham. Verse six, right? Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem to the oaks of Morah. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. So he gets there and he looks around. There's the Canaanites that are here and they are all around. Now listen, this is an ominous statement. It's not a small one. It's written just like, well, the Canaanites were in the land. Can I put some context? Remember this. How many soldiers did Abraham have? 318, about 300 men that were there. He was coming into the land of Canaan. Fast forward 400 years. Joshua is about to take over the land of Canaan. So he comes with the Israel army, 600,000 men to overtake Canaan. And God says to Joshua, this real encouraging Joshua, I want to remind you in this moment, uh, there are seven nations in the land of Canaan that are bigger than you and stronger than you and more powerful than you. That was 6,000 men with Joshua. Here's Abraham, 300 men sits in the land. And I say that to you to remind you that there are places in your life and places in my life, right? A human perspective. There's no way we can possess this land. The enemy, the struggle is too great. The spreadsheet says, listen, you are walking into failure and embarrassment and ultimately your death and you're taking 3,000 people down with you. But have you ever noticed, God really doesn't care a whole lot about the spreadsheet. God doesn't need a degree God doesn't need a whole bunch of money in the bank account to do his will or whatever God has accomplished. So God says to Abraham, Abraham, I'm gonna give you a little bit more of the story. I've given you just two goes and you've been obedient. So now let me give you the end game. Verse seven, then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring, I will give you this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Seriously, I'm gonna give you this land. It's gonna be for your descendants. And Abraham, when he hears and understands the truth of what God's saying, what does he do? He he builds an an altar. And I love this about who Abraham is, that he builds this altar. Remember in the context, he still hasn't taken the land. His descendants are not living in in peace at at this moment. The Canaanites are still surrounding him. It's overwhelming, it's daunting. He's in the valley of the struggle, and what does he do? He, He builds an altar. He builds this altar to worship. And in this moment, that tangible act, right, of building an altar gives evidence to his faith. And I don't know what Abraham prayed to the Lord at that moment. I'm sure it was something along the lines of like, you know, God, I can't see how this is possible. I'm gonna trust your word. God, even before I can feel it, even before I can experience, I'm gonna praise you for the promise that you've given to me in my descendants. So in faith, in the midst of all this junk, I'm gonna build an altar, because I believe your, your word is true. And I love that in the story of Abraham, because I don't know why I it, it's so inspiring to me. I, I think about, for Tammy and I, in our journey, um, when we came to Lexington, I guess a little over five years ago, right? We surveyed the land and all that was around, and uh, there were moments and things that the, uh, it seemed a little overwhelming and a little bit challenging. There were not seven Canaanite armies that were there, but the path forward, can I just be honest, felt as daunting as if there were seven armies at different times. And in those moments, you had them, you've had those, and you look around, it's like, whew, you just take a deep breath, right? Just breathe. God, I'm gonna promise, I'm gonna trust your promises and what you've impressed upon my heart to do. So in my first, I think it was my first year, Helen, you may remember, I think it was our first year we, we I brought all the staff I didn't really think I was crazy, like Arts and Crafts Day. And so we grabbed these bricks, and we wrote these promises, and we painted these promises uh, on the bricks. And then we laid them in that water reserve pond. I think it's just right out over there. We made this little altar there. Now, I'm convinced the mowing crews the first three years thought we were doing animal sacrifices. I mean, they're gonna be like, I don't know what's happening at this church, but they're doing these kind of things. But we laid these things down there, and I laid them in that little... Uh, in that little ditch because when I walk into my uh, office door on the side every day I I have to walk by that and it's just this great reminder right it's a great reminder me. God this is what I felt confident when you spoke to me five years ago I just need to be confident in that thing and it's this great little daily reminder as we go and there are some of those moments can I say I walk quicker and there are some of those days I have to walk a little bit slower I was having one of those moments, right? Those moments of discouragement and, you know, all those little, if you're green, you know, we, we live in this world of discouragement a lot. And so I'm having these little moments, you know, and my wife Tammy, she sends me a little text and uh, she sends me this, uh, she shares this verse with me that we've shared together and I've shared it with you throughout the years. It's been so helpful. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19, verse simply says this, see that I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I love that. I'm making a way in the wilderness in a stream in the wasteland. It's that little part, right? God says, hey, pay attention. Do you not see? I'm doing a new thing. Not the old thing. I'm doing a new thing. And here's the great. Do you not perceive it? In other words, are you you not seeing it? Here's my challenge. I, I see it how I wanna see it. New thing means something to me. It should be done this way and this time and look this way, right? This is my thing. And God's saying, no, no, no. New thing, my thing, not your thing. Are you perceiving what I'm doing? So that little verse reminded me, inspired me again. So here just recently, I grabbed another brick, painted up my next little brick, and I put it back and I laid it back on the altar here recently to be reminded of this that God is doing a new thing, that He's doing His thing in His timing here at Lex City. And here's the great part. The great part is you, you're part of the new thing. You're part of the miracle of what God is doing in us and through us. You're part of the promise that I felt so confident God laid on my heart so many years ago for what God has for us. So when I reflect on Isaiah chapter 49, am I perceiving what God is doing? The great part is when I look at it through God's perspective rather than my impression, I see it. Where God's favor goes before, man, we are finding favor in our community in ways we never dreamed or never imagined. That's the favor of God going before. I can perceive it that we get together every week. Listen, you get a front row seat to what God's doing. We get to see men and women, boys and girls last week, placing their faith in Christ and we get to meet them and have conversations We're getting to see marriages restored and relationships growing in powerful ways. The beauty that we get to perceive is what God is doing in us and through us as a family, right? We're growing in grace and health and who God wants us to be. And you're a part of that. And here's the great part. In my life, you're a part of my epic story. You're part of this chapter and I'm so grateful. God says, man, just see it. See it, notice it. That's my story, but let me ask you, how about your story? Where do you in your life Maybe you need to build an altar. You don't have to put an altar in your backyard. Get a brick, put it in ours, make it bigger. It's all right. Whatever it would be. But, I, you know, it, it, symbolically, where do you need to remember and claim the promises of God? Even now, when you're in the midst of, of the struggle. See, we always love to worship God on the opposite side, at the end of the experience in the victory. right? It's great to worship God. God, see what you did. Can I just remind you, listen, Abraham says, real faith. Mature faith is the kind of faith that builds an altar in the midst of the struggle. Every week, you know, we have these opportunities here. We take a time of worship at the start of our time. Listen, it's just an opportunity for you to recenter. Sing the words, don't sing the words. Stand. It doesn't really come down to the front, but just to take these moments, even in that time, to just say, God, I just want to one more time, symbolically, put that altar and just acknowledge what you've done and claim your promises. That's Abraham's story at this moment, right? In the midst of all of that, he's, he's building this incredible faith moment that God talks about in Hebrews chapter 11. In the midst of the Canaanites, he builds an altar of praise. But can I remind you, that's kind of the middle of the story. It, it, it all starts back, really, at the beginning of Abraham's epic story. Before that holy moment, Abraham was simply asked, what, go, leave, leave. If he doesn't do that, all this rest doesn't happen. So let's start back here, right? He says, go and leave, and it's not just leave your land. He's saying, I want you to release to me all of the things in your heart. Because God's gotta release something in your heart before he can move your feet. So he says to Abraham, this is that moment. It, it reminds me uh, of the, the monkey trap, and you may be familiar with that. Uh, it's this, <laughs> I'll tell you this. Story. So I asked Scott Tomlin, our facility guy. I said, Scott, I said, can you, uh, can you get me a coconut? because he's got all these drills. And I said, I need a coconut. I need you to drill a hole. And so he, Scott sends me this picture. Now, we both laughed. He sends me this picture. All I'm going to say to you is, is we have gotten soft as a country. He sends me this. He said, I said, what's this? He says it's a coconut. He got it at this fancy store. It has like a hairnet thing around it. it. It's been shaven off. It's all smooth. I said, this is. We're just soft, like this is not a coconut. To my younger generation, this is a coconut. Like it's hard, it's scratchy, it's hairy. <laughs> no comments from my wife there. You know, it's this awkward looking thing. I mean, this is what a coconut is, and now we say, hey, I don't want you to have to deal with all the challenges of a coconut. We're gonna pre- and put it in like a hairnet. I mean, this is like, this is like the kid whose mom took all the crust off the PBJ sandwiches, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Like it's the crust. It's the challenge of getting through the crust that makes that juicy center so amazing. So anyways, I digress, but this is not a coconut. This is the only, I had to go to, I don't know how many stores we went to, but we found a coconut that was finally here. Now listen, let me tell you quick how the, uh, the coconut, the monkey story, you may be familiar with this or not, but in Southern India is where this began. And so in order to catch a monkey, you, you grab a coconut and you drill a little hole into it and you make that hole just small enough that they can squeeze their hand through and in the middle of that coconut, you can put a variety of different things. In India, it's a lot of times sweet rice, or you can put fruit, or you can put something shiny, and you can imagine what happens. The monkey sees this, draw into it, squeezes his hand in there to reach it, and the moment I mean, he grabs that thing that he wants, makes a fist with it, and the challenge is his fist now is too big to come back out of the hole. And the monkey's stuck, it's a monkey trap. The thing that he so desired has now enslaved him to that very moment. And so the monkey is left with really this moment (laughs) of decision, right? Am I going to let go of the thing that I so desire to experience the freedom that awaits me or am I gonna hang on to this thing that has entrapped me that ultimately will enslave me? (laughs) As I think about where that goes, the illustration and the application for you and I is pretty obvious as we go. It's, it's really this, what, what are you hanging on to that's keeping you in Heron longer than you were intended to stay? What is that thing that you are gripping so tightly that's costing you, that's enslaving you, that's preventing you from experiencing all that God has for you in your own promised land but you just can't let go of it because it's got a grip on your heart. It's got a grip on your identity. It's got a grip on your life. What do you need to let go of today? Since I thought about this, since I thought about us heading into this New Year's, see, many of us, we, we've given a lot of things to God, right? God, I trust you with this, I trust you with that, but there's this one, <laughs> this is my little, This is my little thing. This is the thing I'm gonna keep for myself. This is what I'm gonna hang on to even though I I know it's not the best. But these are the things. These are the habits. These are the addictions that when the stresses of life, I default back to here, right? This is that secret thing I tell nobody but I just keep to myself and I'm hanging on to it. And I know you're telling me to let it go so I can experience freedom from this but I think I just want it more than it's comfortable. I'm, I'm familiar with it. And we hang on to this over and over. Now, here's what's so interesting. When I gave you that example, and I said that shiny thing that attracts you and Charles, many of you, you know exactly what it was. The Holy Spirit's placed that on your heart before. He's placing it on your heart today. He's saying, yeah, that's that thing. And so we wrestle with it. And the challenge is it's just eating away. as we come out of the season that we've been on, right? So many, the the thing that we're hanging on to, let's just be honest, it's been hurts, it's been disappointments, that unforgiveness is is stealing our peace, and it's stealing our joy. Month of October here, we're going to do five weeks dealing with this issue. How do we process hurts? Two of the weeks, we're going to talk about how we deal with church hurts. How do we do with hurt from our past? How do we do these things, right? Because here's what I know that's just so true. It's stealing this and we know it, but we're gripping it so tight and we just are struggling to let it go. So we stay enslaved. We stay in Huron longer than God intended us to be here in this moment. Because this thing, God wants us to release because he's got to release your heart before he can release your feet. For many of us, and I think about this last season, talking to pastors and churches and just people at different places all around, right? It's been a weird couple of years. We've done some interesting things. We've picked up patterns and habits. And the question is, we're carrying them now into a time when they don't need to be carried. And the question is, can we acknowledge it and figure out how to put those down? Some things that have been shiny are now enslaving us culturally. Church culturally, wherever it would be, right? We, we have put down grace and kindness. And we've picked up criticalness. We've picked up harshness. Somehow we, we've picked up fear and anxiety. And we've laid down the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. In this last little time, we've had habits where we've put down authentic faith-based community. And we've picked up isolation, and consumerism, so today, we're talking a lot about groups, why? Because I know just naturally, through the things we've come through, our natural tendency is to pick up isolation and consumerism. We just wanna tell you, we want what's best for you, God's blessing on that. We think authentic faith-based groups are the way to do that. And so today at the end, there's tables out there, take a risk, sign up, you say, oh, I can't do that. You know why? This little thing you're hanging out, when I said groups, you said, oh, I can't do that. I've been hurt, right? I've been disappointed had a bad leader. Ooh, that couple, ooh, they hurt us. I get it. Shocker. (laughs) Fallen, sinful people trying to do life together. We're gonna hurt each other. We're gonna disappoint each other. It's life, it's community. (laughs) It's where our faith comes in. So I wanna encourage you, there's something in your heart that rolls towards that groups thing. Just today, God, I'm just gonna let this thing go and trust again and, and see what you do. I just encourage you to do that some of you today, can I just encourage you along those lines? Listen, you're watching online again today, and can I just tell you after this many years, it's time to come back and reconnect with authentic community and be a part of that. You're holding on it. I know it's comfortable. I know it's safe. But man, we're missing. We're sitting in Huron when God has something great for us. So here's what we're going to do today. A little different um, If you knew, this is kind of different for us, but we're gonna do this in just a moment. I'm gonna pray for us, and um, let me just ask this. Our prayer team, if you would just come on down here at the front this morning, now at this time, I'd appreciate that. Here's what we're gonna do today. We're just gonna pray. Music's gonna play, and I just wanna give you moments. If you feel so led, you wanna come pray with somebody, you wanna come down the altar, you take that. You just dismiss when you wanna dismiss, no problem. But I wanna give these moments, because here's what I know again, listen. Delayed obedience hinders and delays the blessing of God on your life. As we head into this new school year and this new thing, I'm just convinced there are things we have picked up. There are things that we're holding in the coconut, and God just wants to say, I have something better for you this year. I have some freedom for you, I have some joy, and I have new relationships. Will you let go of that shiny thing and experience what God has for you? So I'm gonna pray. That's it for the morning. You're welcome to come. You're welcome to go as you do. Thanks for being a part of it. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the wonderful example of Abraham who didn't know where but just said yes, who in the midst of his struggle and the, all the opposition that was around him, he just said, God, I'm just gonna build an altar today and I'm gonna, I'm gonna believe what I know to be true that you are a good God who knows the plans that you have for me plans to prosper plans to give freedom plans to allow for forgiveness and grace so Lord today in just these moments as we close may we just respond to whatever you lay in our heart and we'll give you these moments in your name we pray Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church/give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.